You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, Godzilla takes on a creature made of smog and sludge. It's 1971's Godzilla vs. Hedorah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Bond Zilla podcast. Ge- gentlemen, gentlemen, and gentlemen, lady, gentlemen and ladies, gentlemen and ladies, gentlemen and ladies. Um, keep forgetting to double check what episode number we're on. But oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. Uh, we are on the next episode. Yes, after yeah, <laughs> the episode that was, was after like, the last one. Yeah, I guess yeah. what is this, uh, what Bond uh, what Godzilla what? movies like eleventh or twelfth Bond Godzilla movie? Uh, I believe the. This is the 11th. So I guess we're on episode 22. By the way, as you know, or maybe this you don't know, this is your first episode. My name is Nick. And I am Will. And And this is officially the 11th Godzilla movie of the God, no, Bondzilla podcast. podcast. And so this is our 22nd episode. Can we be talked about 22 uh, movies over the past year? It's been pretty crazy. But that being said, there is still... So much to cover. Oh, we have. <laughs> when you, I still, there are things in this franchise yeah, I that I, s- I still haven't, like, I haven't even, we have yet to get to the things I've actually been dying to show you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, like, we've we've covered a lot of Bond, too, but there's still plenty, we have yet to get to the Summer of Dalton. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that is, and we have yet to get to Dr. Christmas Jones. Ooh, which is uh, maybe perhaps the best uh, Bond name. We'll have ever. to save that for that episode because we're not yeah. talking about uh, that. <laughs> we're not talking about Brosnan today. We're not talking about Bond. We're talking about Godzilla. So yes, this is the podcast we talk about Bond and Godzilla movies. This week is a Godzilla good. film, and so will yes, it's uh, your also time to shine. Known in the U.S. as Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, released in 1971 and making. His directorial debut, Yoshimitsu Bono. Ooh, Bono. Bono. <laughs> no, not Bono. Oh. Yeah. Even though there is th- this this movie, it may be a little political, may have a message it does. to it. Oh. Yeah. This uh-huh. movie. Because oh, this movie we, is something else. We, we, we almost forgot because I did tease this. Since our break, we were actually privy to another Godzilla movie. Right, yes. And I said yes. that I would give some thoughts about it. And I am, of course, talking about Toho released a anime, uh, animated um, movie for Godzilla that was released in the States on Netflix uh, called, I don't know why, on, but on uh, Netflix it's just called Godzilla. But the proper name is Godzilla Monster planet mm-hmm. yes <laughs> now nick you i assume you haven't i have not seen it because it. um i'm trying to keep you know uh I, i'm thinking at this point we're gonna add it to our list uh towards yes the we podcast. will we will but i will give so you I'm gonna, I'm gonna save myself but i will give you the premise yeah i, I, I yes. yes we've talked about the premise before yeah. but you're welcome so to so the premise of this um of this movie is that earth has become overrun by kaiju 
other problems too. I'm sure there was like something in the movie. Probably about, pollution like, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pollution, overpopulation. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of issues. But first and foremost is that there are giant monsters running around and that that is a big problem. Mm-hmm. And with the alien aid, with the help of aliens, alien aid are able to evacuate the planet because the king of the monsters, Godzilla himself, has made the planet simply inhabitable. But life in space, Nick, turns out to not be that great. It's like it's like the Wally people, except not as not as jolly mm. and uh, you know family friendly. Mm. Lots of lots of dark conspiracies going on. Space travel is not going the way they think. They decide to uh, embark on one last mission to reclaim the Earth, and hmm. which they return to uh, back to the planet Earth to confront Godzilla and the many horrors. That await them. Any horrors of the deep? Uh, no, no, no not not too deep. No, okay, a little bit still above the oh, okay. uh, so ocean the, ocean floor level. You got it. Hey, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, but, when I hear horrors of, I, I yeah. immediately think the deep these days. Yes, uh, but I will say I had quite an enjoyable time with this addition to because this so this would be um, the first, uh, to my knowledge, fully animated. Godzilla movie yep. and and I should also point out that this is the beginning of a trilogy and uh it actually did quite a good job of getting me invested in the human drama mm-hmm. and it does that thing I like best in Godzilla movies where they incorporate it's the thing I like in the new one where they incorporate like the fear and the tragedy that Godzilla puts upon the people and then that's where they bring the drama out of. And then slowly over the course of the actual movie, then it becomes about actually destroying Godzilla uh, himself. Now, it's very anime. Right. So there is a lot of monologues of the main character talking about, will humanity ever get itself back together again? Like, it's a lot of that. <laughs> I mean, is it really? I mean, I, we, I, we'll talk about it, I guess, really down the line. But is it really that different than any of our nuke monologues at the end of the day? Uh, not, well, not as much, but see, those come in the, in the shape of like the message, like at the end of the day, this one is like, it's again, it's like every anime where it's like every five, 10 minutes, there's a, there's a character like talking about my my family and honor and and, and all that stuff. So, so yeah, I, I I get that. So I will give it a thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. Well, I look forward to when we eventually get there. So Nick, last we left off. With, last uh, we left off. <laughs> with uh, uh, two films, let's talk about the last, the previous two films. Mm-hmm. Destroy All Monsters uh, was meant to be, from the, Toho's perspective, the final yeah. Godzilla movie. All the monsters, well, not all, most of the monsters that we've seen, you know, mm-hmm. they come, they come in and they have a big party, and it's a celebration of kaiju, and it's great action, right? And so, while that was supposed to be the last one, it was an enormous success. Everybody loved it. Made good money. So Toho's like, can't let this train die. Can't let the G train leave the station yet. Uh, so we need to make another movie, but... We don't have anything to make. Yeah, we don't have yet. anything to make. So in order to keep, I guess, Godzilla on people's radar, we got all monsters attack. <laughs> in which, to reiterate... No monsters attack. Yes. Because <laughs> they're all in this kid's head. Yeah. <laughs> and they're on, you know, just Monster Island, I guess. I guess. So, but 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 a terrible movie. Just right. A, an awful, <laughs> awful motion picture. So, skipping to 1971, Toho now realizes it's it's time to get back on track. Put the God 
the G chain, let it leave the station because it's a cash cow at right. this point, or at least it's a. But maybe it's an interesting cow. Not, it's a cow of interest. Not have it all be a dream. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that's that was like number one on the list. Right, right. So to to start talking about this, let's talk about our uh, director, who uh, Yoshimizu Bano. Um, as I excuse me, as I said before, this was his debut film, but more so his big like uh, his big feature blockbuster mm-hmm. debut film. He he had worked as an assistant director for many years and actually directed one of a, a, like a smaller film prior to this. But uh, Toho, um, this was in 1970 he made this, but Toho uh, got notice of him because uh, he was just a very visually interesting director um, who had experience using special effects. And so, um, so they brought this guy on board to uh, direct this movie. Um, now talking about Bono's approach to the movie, right? So Bono's approach to the movie was he was inspired. Okay, it usually starts out with some movies and direct directors. Directors are often inspired by something mm-hmm. like the real Bono. Yeah. <laughs> He's inspired by um, stuff. Yeah. So Nick, this Bono has a- asked me. Ask me what he was inspired by. What do you think? Well, well, well could you can you imagine what he was inspired I'm by? So I, dude, I can't even not just imagine it. I could tell you it. You could tell me? I looked it up on the internet. Oh, wow. Okay. Re- this is the hardcore research that Will is. He sees this movie and wonders, hmm, what could be the inspiration yes. for something like yeah, this? Yeah, both out of self-interest and because we do a podcast about it. Yeah, so Will, um, what, what could Bono possibly so have inspired by? Bono has, um, at this point, shown an interest in in you know a little bit of a social message and this will be something that would continue on later in his career but specifically this time it's you guessed it pollution ooh uh, he what was a shocker he was inspired by uh, visiting or seeing the pollution in like pollution ridden japanese cities and uh, trash filled oceans and bays and you know there's this um and we see it a little bit in the movie but it was a problem in japan oceans where it's just foam of trash just over like certain oceans um which you know is also inspiring uh this year's isle of dogs mm-hmm. yeah our first plug i guess yeah first, <laughs> this, uh... this episode's brought to you by a wes anderson stop motion movie yeah um so that so that's where his inspiration came from so he came up with this idea of godzilla fighting a monster that was representing pollution how can can you imagine? He was like, all right, my idea. Godzilla fights pollution. It's like, all right, well, how does he fight pollution? It's like, damn it. All right, what if pollution is a monster? <laughs> it's like, all right, got it. We can do that. We can imagine yeah. it. All right, so he, so. Visualize uh, it. So right off the bat, he has his vision. He has support of Toho. Or does he have support of Toho? Because the budget of this movie, despite the G train ready to leave the station, mm-hmm. it's revving up, Nick. Yeah. Steam's coming out. Choo choo. Yeah, just atomic breath is coming out of the yeah. the front of it. Thomas uh, the tank engine is. But guess what? Like, what the hell is this? They're not putting a lot of money into this one. Mm. I guess they just think Godzilla money grows on trees, grows off the people coming to see it. Um, the budget of this movie was some of the was one of the lowest Godzilla budgets in recent memories. Mm. Just not a huge budget. Uh, it was limited to a thirty five day shoot, so just over a month to shoot the entire movie. But not only that, but the one team was responsible for both the dramatic and effects. Right, because we've talked about in the past that generally with these movies, mm-hmm. um, 
there's a separate team, one team that goes and does all the special effects stuff, and another team that does kind of the human drama scenes. Right, exactly. And I think we had one example where they kind of crossed over a little bit, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, there, there, there was a little bit of a crossover. I believe it was during uh, uh, the Bureau. Beer yeah. Horror of the Deep, yeah. where they did it under one roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were, but th- but in this case, it was like you get very limited funds, and one team right. is responsible one for doing both. One team is responsible, and with a limited amount of days, especially yeah. with kind of these special effects yeah. movies. Um, and uh, also, something to take note of um, is that one of Toho's producers, Tamayuki Tanaka, was fell ill during the production of this movie and actually had to remove himself uh, to the hospital uh, in the middle of production uh, until for the remainder of it being made until it was actually released and finished, uh, which will come come back back later. sure. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, But a note about this movie is that this is the first film in four years in the Godzilla canon to not reuse a monster and not to reuse any footage from a previous Godzilla film. So you, you might well, I mean, you might com- say they learned their lesson yeah, from the, the previous film. In, in comparison to the last movie, that's not a hard bar to, to reach. <laughs> it's not really that that difficult of a, uh, of a thing to do. So, Nick, speaking of not reusing a monster, this movie does use a monster. It has a an brand original new, monster. Brand new monster. Yes, and that monster is... Hedora. Uh, now, how do we want to start this? Nick, as we always do, you have to describe <laughs> Hedora to the audience. All right. So, Hedora, <laughs> Hedora has multiple forms. <laughs> okay. That's the way to start it. The first form is kind of as a, a tadpole-esque like sludge thing, I guess you would say. It kind of like can leap out of the water. And um, it's been sinking ships. Mm-hmm. This kind of like general monster uh, sees a ship is going to attack it. The second form <laughs> is kind of like Swamp Thing, but like yes, really big and gray, dark colored, mm-hmm. and like can transform itself into like a a wet sludge mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, then uh, the third form. May, which is, may be your favorite form. I believe it probably is. <laughs> which uh, you you got quite a kick out of this. Is just a flying saucer form. <laughs> like legitimately it has like jets coming out of the bottom and that's how it flies around. And then like the fourth there's like a fourth form that's kind of a bigger nastier version of this of the second form that mm-hmm. he can shoot lasers as well. And kind of can go between each of the forms willy nilly. Yeah, it's like a proper kaiju. Let's duke it out yeah, with like like, like kind Godzilla of the all powerful thing form. Uh, uh, one uh, little note about Hedorah, some uh, originating from because obviously there's not much about his origin other than he he represents pollution. He, he represents pollution, and he's a giant smog monster. Yeah, essentially, uh, his uh, name uh, comes from the Japanese word Hedorah, which means mud. Um, and, uh, I do have, uh, one, uh, on set story with Hedorah that I think you'll actually find fun, but I do want to get what your thoughts on Hedorah are as a monster. <laughs> mm. You know what he kind of looks like? He kind of looks like somebody either put together a bunch of, you know what he looks like? He looks like if your dirty clothes hamper 
got a bunch of mud on it and it started walking around because mm-hmm. even his arms have like danglies on them and he always looks like he's about to topple over. <laughs> I really, I, Medora's a mixed bag. Like, it <laughs> truly is like a mixed bag because I'm going to say that I think that his, his red eyes are very striking. And mm-hmm. I think that like it really does kind of create kind of a, a, a horrific sense with the character. It's like an unease with the red eyes, mm-hmm. which are very distinct. I actually, re- I actually enjoy kind of the color in the daytime, mm-hmm. like because because generally from the movie he looks looks like this black sludge thing, mm-hmm. and it would. But there's like one daytime fight which we'll talk about where he kind of has a grayish color, mm-hmm. and I felt that that was a lot more of an interesting look for him because the gray and the red. I thought really was more effective, but he's he's very slow. Yeah. Um, and to the detriment. <laughs> but I, is like, that Hedora's fault? <laughs> no, but like, I, but it, but it does. Maybe like, he was just directed that in, way. In comparison to some of the more kinetic monsters we've right. seen, like like uh, Ghidorah, not Hedora, Ghidorah, yeah, <laughs> and even Mothra's moth form, it it does kind of lend itself to just like the. The overall look of especially like the second and the fourth form where it's like this big kind of sludgy monster that's mm-hmm. just kind of slowly walking around. It just it's not that's why I guess I got excited for the flying saucer form because yeah. it was like so distinct and different. Right, and, right. And even even with the sense of like again, that grayish like color that it takes on during the day, it's felt it's a lot more interesting than just kind of seeing a dark monster brood around in the dark. Right. So it really is a mixed bag because while the movie does present some interesting things about Hedorah being a smog monster and, you know, being like, you know, this kind of really horrific kaiju. Mm-hmm. It's just the movie just does things that doesn't support that. And I think that really just drags him down. Uh, well, speaking of dragging you down, Nick, one thing that can drag you down is a giant suit. The suit for this for this monster mm-hmm. is pretty massive. Wow. Lots of things that puts on. Yeah, because it's tall, lots of ins, it's, it's, lots of It's taller outs. than the Godzilla costume in this movie. Yes. Or at least at, at some point. It yeah, is. yeah, definitely. Um, and that's the suit specifically I'm talking about. So, onset story, as I know we love our onset stories. Great stuff we've had so far. Actor Ken, uh, Ken Pachiro Satsuma, as I pronounced that absolutely correctly, um, suffered from appendicitis on the uh, filming of this movie. And that's no fun. Yes. And. Uh, I've never had appendicitis, but I know it's not fun. <laughs> well, this definitely doesn't sound fun because it was something that had to be dealt with immediately <laughs> while he was filming the oh. movie while he was in the suit. Oh. Now, Nick. Oh, my God. The suit was just way too massive and takes a little bit of time to actually get on and put off. Right. But this guy needs an appendectomy straight away. While he's in the car. Co- like so, while he's in this big Hedora costume. In which they proceed... To perform the appendectomy through the suit. <laughs> That's amazing. That feels like I, someone should steal it for a movie. Yes. Not necessarily like about making a fedora, but just like these guys in a giant monster suit, and then all of a sudden he gets sick, and they have to do the to take him to hospital. Right, right. It feels like it's such a like it's such an amazing visual. 
Can you imagine just like them trying to like just sizz through the Especially suit. The, the Hedora costume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not even like the Godzilla costume or anything like that. Like this cool creature. It's kind of like this weird, ugly sludge monster. Well, it, it's also funny because like, again, we already described the suit, but it's got all these danglies. You got to kind of like yeah. go through the whole thing. It's like, it would be different if it was like, like Ghidorah, Rodan or right. somebody. No, also, it's like this I'm also weird... kind of imagining like in this like fictional movie about this fictional guy who's a fictional monster costume. It's like a sequel of some sort and he gets taken to the hospital in the costume and one of the doctors is like, wait, no, no spoilers, no spoilers. <laughs> I can't do the surgery. I don't want any spoilers on the movie. Um, but uh, we, can, it, we can put that in the clip, though. Now, we can make it like a meta thing. Yes. Uh, now there is a there is a um, story also attached to this story where uh, Satsuma allegedly said this. He allegedly had said, or he did say this, and who knows how true it is, that uh, his experience uh, with that epidectomy obviously was not great, mm-hmm. and that the painkillers that they gave him didn't do anything mm-hmm. to this. So uh, ever since he had claimed that painkillers do not work on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So before we get into talking about the movie, because uh, we don't do this nearly as much as we as we should, but sometimes it's important. I want to talk a little bit about cinema at this point, yeah, because I feel like that influences a lot of this movie and Bono's approach to his work. Yeah, because especially within like Japanese cinema, because with with like when we look at the Bond films, it's like yeah, British and American film, but there's that kind of sense of we're familiar mm-hmm. enough with. You know what's going on in the set? We're like we're about to hit the '80s in Bond, right? right. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, our next film is actually going to be in the '80s, so we kind of like you and I. We probably have a general understanding of what '80s cinema was like. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of that element, similar elements of the '60s and '70s that we've seen. But with Japanese cinema, it is a different culture, right? And so we've you know we've talked about it a little bit in the past, but I guess we should right. We well, should you know, it the nineteen it's the nineteen seventies, right? Yeah, it's, it's nineteen seventy one, so the seventies right. are just starting. Right, we're uh, just in the where diamonds are forever is just right. coming out, and to we, compare to where we are on the bomb line, and politically we are in. I'm not sure about saying the midst, but we are in the area of you know Vietnam mm-hmm. and you know America's involvement and all that and everything. Yeah. So looking at America cinema first in the 1970s. Um uh, this is a decade in Hollywood facing a, a financial slump and re- and the movies reflecting the monetary woes of the nation as a whole during uh, the first half of the decade. Um, but despite this, the 1970s proved to be a benchmark decade in the development of cinema, both as an art form and as a business, with young filmmakers taking greater risks and restrictions regarding language and sexuality. Right. Cause this so, would be the era of like the Godfather right. and, you know, the group. Like approaching kind of, the taboos of, right yeah uh, so there's definitely that and then of course you know cliche in the cliche way we have you know you know hippies and everything mm-hmm. going yeah, like on kind of the, kind free of the, spirit the, nature the tail the tail end of the, that movement right exactly movement. yeah but and then but then also you know with vietnam going on uh, you know that you know manifest right, and, and that protest culture and all yeah, that yeah yeah so you know you have the hippie stuff but then you have it manifesting in like protest culture and just everything yes. is like a- anti-establishment and like pushing the boundaries and everything meanwhile in japan um the 1970s within Japan really uh, catered to the rising middle class fantasies uh, and struggles of, of that time. Um, and there's a little bit about uh, Bo- Bollywood cinema, uh, but the the films usually in and this is really all like Asia, but like there's some in Japan. Uh, the films usually portrayed adventurous plots with car chases to imitate Hollywood films. Uh, 
and it gives an example like the French Connection, and presented music with disco beats, and also presented the young middle class man as angry young men. Yes, that makes sense. Yes. Now, now why, so, why, why you brought this up? Exactly. See, uh, okay, so so there is a so definitely there is an influence on as we've seen. Uh, just in that example of Asian cinema mm-hmm. mimicking a little bit of the trends of American cinema um, in a way. And speaking of Bono, which I will kind of talk about as we talk about the movie, but not only did Asian cinema do this, but Bono had a very specific kind of approach to how he to how he deals uh, with these elements. Okay. So whatever. So what we're dealing with right here, Nick, as we move on into actually talking about the movie, is a very specific movie with a very specific director's vision in mind. Yeah. Reflecting a very specific time. Yes. So, Nick, are we ready to talk about Godzilla Let's get versus into Hedora? A very bizarre movie. <laughs> the atomic bomb, the hydrogen bomb, cast their fallout into the sea. Human waste, poison gas, everything ugly is put into the sea, and all life dies. Godzilla would really get angry if he saw this. He would do something. Class A, second grade, Kenyano. All right, we're back. It's time. <laughs> it's time to talk about... <laughs> so uh, what Will just did for you, what Will just performed, is the Godzilla theme. The Godzilla musical theme. Very iconic. A very iconic Godzilla theme. That is after we are treated to a very James Bond-esque opening. Oh, yes, a it, musical it, it, opening. It's a musical opening that's a, a cross between... A James Bond intro in The Electric Company, which was a James Bond intro at one point, as I always joke about, yeah. and and a PSA announcement. Right, because <laughs> right from the get-go, yeah. pollution everywhere. <laughs> like, not, like, you barely get in this movie before it's just showing, like, random shots right. of, you know, <laughs> like, sludge, like... Oil sludge slicking across like water and like a a, a crash test dummy. Yeah, which which I will I will say was an arresting visual. Yeah, yeah. At first I thought like, it was an, it was a mannequin. I, at first like I that. thought it was an actual body that right. was melted and but. just like trash. Yeah, all while listening to this uh, Japanese woman just kind of staring to the screen singing a song, which yeah. I uh, did not understand because yeah. I do not speak Japanese. Uh, that was very interesting that uh, the, the song was not dubbed because in uh, many other Godzilla movies, excuse me, that I own, uh, they usually dub everything right. and they, they have dubbed. Uh, but I should, I should, because uh, I do want to give a, a shout out. Oh, right. Yes. So yes. before we get yeah. into so we, we kind of talked about the opening, but we do need to give a shout out to yes. this, this box, so, co- so this, box this, this Blu-ray cover. This is a company uh, called uh, Kraken Releasing. Mm-hmm. Um, as we have stated in multiple times, uh, I think in an episode, either two or three episodes ago, um, that the Godzilla distributing, dis, dis, distributing, distributing mm-hmm. rights are all over the place. Like who actually owns the rights to actually distribute the movies where all but two movies were very hard to distribute. And actually, um, Criterion Collection just got a hold of most of, if not all of the Showa series. Mm-hmm. So that's going to make that easier to get, I think, going into the future. Going forward, yeah. 
but this uh, one is a majority of the uh, movie of the Godzilla movies I own is Kraken releasing, and one of the reasons I love this uh, uh, this method and these people is not only do they present you with uh, a decent good quality uh, picture, good, good quality picture, and good subtitles, you know, decent, easy, easy decent subtitles, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah get scene across. selection. Yeah, uh, the Japanese trailer mm-hmm. for the you know everything you could want, but it even gives you more in the in the, by way of this awesome box. This is why you get physical media, folks. Without physical media, you couldn't. Well, you probably could just go online and see it, but you can't hold it in your hand. And what I'm talking about is the text and the taglines and the descriptions that are on these boxes. Right. So every movie that we have that has. Especially from Kraken releasing, I'm going to read what's on the box. Yeah. So this is Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Nick, the tagline. Yeah. When the ultimate power of green takes on the menace of unclean. <laughs> Wait, can I read the back one? <laughs> yeah. All right. And we got the one in the back, too. Yeah. Yeah. Hedora wants to snuff the planet with sludge and toxic gas. But first, he's got to fight Godzilla, who will kick his smoggy mask. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> the other ones are just as Right. Are and just if we come great. across more, we'll uh, we'll definitely take a look at those. Okay. So, Nick, first off, Godzilla versus Hedorah. Yeah. Wait. Thoughts. Um <laughs> This movie is a very strange beast. Um it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> it's bizarre. You know, it kind of, in terms of my reaction to it, I kind of hold it on the same, similar level to Bond fucking the future out of a woman. I kind of, like, in terms of, there's some stuff that's on that level of right. bizarre in this movie. Right. So it's, like, kind of on that realm. And and it turn again, we'll, we'll get more into specifics. It kind of turns it into... A very mixed movie, but at times a very entertaining mixed movie. Right. I I called it a cross between a monster movie and it, it it reminded me of like at first I thought it was like Sesame Street, like but then it just becomes a straight on educational video. Oh yeah, no, there's so there's there. I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but there are some brief animated interludes <laughs> throughout are. the movie. And a hundred percent thought Sesame Street. Yeah, like, so oh. that's when it's Sesame Street. Then it becomes full on educational by talking about like different nebulas of the of the universe. And then during these sequences, they just show pictures of the various nebulas <laughs> yeah. with names. With names, they name them in English and Japanese. <laughs> yeah. And they they are like yeah, right, right. And then and then it just becomes a full on monster movie <laughs> or just kaiju fighting movie it also at it one, is one point weird 60s psychedelic disco movie as we kind of talked about yes um, um but we'll get we'll get to that as we talk about kind of the plot right right so the, the plot of this movie is fairly simple mm-hmm. it is essentially a a family who i believe i don't i don't recall like was he a marine biologist yeah he's essentially like a professor and, right and has an and, and has an emphasis in Ocean life and marine biology. So this marine biologist and his kid find this tadpole, this like mutant tadpole or, like or fi- mutant fish. Yeah, fisherman brings up its tadpole because yeah. he knows that the professor is like an expert on everything. So he's like, I've never seen this before. What is this? What is this right. sludge creature? And and ultimately, what it turns out is like this tadpole is actually 
Because I don't know, is he a piece of the monster or is it yeah, another yeah. He's, one? He's, okay. a, he's a piece he, of the monster. He's a piece of this bigger sludge monster, Hedorah. Mm-hmm. And essentially the movie is about Hedorah is getting bigger and bigger As he, and feeding off of the he pollution. He feeds off pollution and yeah. evolves over time. Right, exactly. And he's getting bigger and bigger and Godzilla's not having any of it. Um, the one thing about this movie, the, the story itself... And, like, the actual n- plot is incredibly thin. Yes. <laughs> it is so... To, it's I razor will, thin almost. It, yeah, it's definitely not our strongest human <laughs> plot line. The one thing I will give it credit for, and I'll talk about a little bit more about, like, why throughout... Uh, we'll just kind of explain more about why. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the plot and, like, the tone... Right. It does give this very apocalyptic feel. That's true. It, it does give this sense, like, there is a version of this movie where it has a dark ending where all of humanity is wiped out. Right. Because that's the feeling it gives you. There's this sense of where how the plot maneuvers... There is a sense of this growing hopelessness, which I do give the credit for um, to this movie because I thought that was very, again, something very similar in, to an extent to the first, uh, you know, Gojira movie where it just kind of had that sense of the dread around it as, you know, these, uh, this, you know, the professor and just humanity continue yeah. to encounter. I, I, will like, s- I will agree that the threat of Hedora was actually quite confronting to the point of, I don't think we've had this visceral of a body count yeah. since maybe the first yeah. one. I will because the thing about the plot being razor thin is it's so the characters aren't necessarily like bad. They're just there's just well they're just thin. They're, they're just, just yeah they're, they're just un, they're not really developed. I mean there's they, somewhere I will give it the credit like they do give the scientists to be this selfless mm-hmm. guy right. who he gets like burned he he, he gets burnt his half of his face gets burned mm-hmm. and his wife's like no no pictures or anything and he's like no the world must know what Hedora is capable of and right. the kid is like like is hinted to be like also smart like his dad he's like this young yeah. pr- prodigy of marine biology that yeah. he can figure stuff out it, too it's just like and it, he believes it, it in really Godzilla is like, I would feel I would say that like there is like within the first five or ten minutes I think there is like something interesting set up mm-hmm. and then the rest of the movie it's it's not like all monsters attack where it's just so simple it's not because there is an ex- to an extent more depth mm-hmm. at the same time for me I had that like complaint i mean i don't really mind at the end of the day but i was like yeah these are the story itself is pretty razor thin until it got to the point where uh it's this elongated scene dedicated to explaining what sulfuric acid is Mm. and it's like it's sulfur it's like sulfuric acid and it does this and it corrodes the body like this and then when the kid talks about like where did Hedorah come from he's like well there's star systems and nebula and it's that scene where it's all the pictures of the star that's when I was like oh this is the movie this movie is just one giant educational piece yeah um you know kind of wrapped around like sandwich that's the cream filling mm-hmm. and the sand and the buns nick are godzilla buns yeah um and that that's kind of uh and and i would say the uh, the peppering the sauce the sauce the little flavoring nick are psychedelic nightclubs <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about yeah, that. So at let's, one let's, point, let's get into that. so yeah, one point, um, like Hedorah is about to make landfall in the movie. Um, 
Because at this point, they're like, oh, but he's only a sea-based creature, you know. Mm-hmm. Who, who, who could say he's he could go on land? He's he's a sea-based monster, right? And then Kotoro makes his on land. Then it, it, it we we cut to this nightclub, right? Right. That has like this weird like video projection where it's just like kind of like blobs appearing everywhere. It's like blood splatters under a microscope. Right. Yeah. 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 And I, like, I called it like a psychedelic blood band. Yeah. It's like. Underground blood band. Right. And it's just all these people dancing. There's a singer and then there's a guy at the bar who's or like just sitting underneath the woman singing. Yeah. And she's singing some song and everybody's dancing and have a good time. And it's just the thing is, is that initially when you first cut to the scene, it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with anything. Right. Where it's just like it's showing it like literally just shows these people dancing. It shows a song. It shows like just people having a good time and mm-hmm. being hippies and all that sort of nice stuff. And then mm-hmm. it just cuts back to Hidora and you're like, well, that was weird. Yeah. But oh, what's but- crazy about it is that so the movie goes on for a while. Yeah, it goes and on then- and Hidora and like, Godzilla start the fight. Yeah, and- they fight. But at one point, they show the the carnage that Hidora can amass. And then it hard cuts Cut. to back, the, to, the back to the blood band and the psychedelic music in and which we get okay. <laughs> so we get we cut back to this like the guy at the bar. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're not we haven't been introduced to this guy yet. No. There's a lot we haven't been introduced okay. to, or, or we're never introduced to in so, this movie. So this guy at the bar, and you know, he's kind of ups- he's looking upset. You know, like you don't know what's going on. Is he an alcoholic, or is he like <laughs> broken up with his girl? Like, who knows what's going on? Right. And then, like, he starts looking around, and suddenly sees everybody wearing these fish masks. Like he's just looking around, and is like cutting, you know. Like between like the blob, like the blood blobs, and like his face, and like all these fish people, right? And, yeah, and like even the singers wearing a fish face now. It, it's, and he's like hallucinating. This it's a thing. fear and loathing in Las Vegas moment, like where he's just—it's so bizarre and yeah. weird. And, and then like he's like he's like it looks like he's having like a meltdown, and then all of a <laughs> like all of a sudden it gets interrupted by the fact that like eventually Hedora's sludge. He crashes the party. He crashes the party. <laughs> I just want to mention this. Yes. Because this scene never gets explained, mm-hmm. never is paid off, and we don't really know why that guy was seeing that stuff in the first place. So I will agree with two things and disagree with one, mm-hmm. as I did research on this movie. Okay. Which I don't know if you know. I just researched yeah, some research. Okay. So this is where the politics in the movie come a little bit. Because as we've seen that, you know, the this is clearly cuz it was made in the 70s but so you don't you don't want to assume this but this is definitely the case that the movie is mimicking that kind of like you know right. hippie free spirited yes. yeah, yeah. lifestyle so, so i got that kind of sense from the whole sequence right it's just felt really out of place right um but what what i did want to mention and you actually mentioned this earlier too is that earlier on the authorities say like oh hedora's uh is nocturnal so we're we're, we're all going to be safe during the day which we find out no, is not the case. Wrong. But he's also like he's camp, and he can't make landfall, which he does. As I was doing research on this movie and hearing about what Bono's uh, movies going forward were like, mm-hmm. um, and just some kind of like research other people did about his work and his approach to movies, is there were two things that were very prevalent uh, in Bono's approach: is um, 
the first of one, the first of which is interesting in the Godzilla canon. This is the first movie that is pretty dismissive and doesn't portray the military and authority in a very good light. Yes, I did notice that because as we've seen in Godzilla, like Godzilla movies in the past, have taken pride in the military yeah, the, and the, giving the military fanfares and you know showing some importance and their competence. Yeah, like, like even when they're outmatched, they're selfless and incompetent. Right. Inco- Thru- throughout the movie, we are seeing that they keep getting things wrong. They finally build a machine to destroy Hedorah, which they can't get right and only get right with the help of. Yeah. Godzilla. We'll get, the, we'll get into more detail yeah. that later. Uh, and so it, it turns. So Bono, and it's very clear when you think about this movie, is that he's very much um, with the plight of the common person, mm-hmm. of the common man. Yeah. And that also extended not only from the authority figures, but also to the youths. Because mm. one thing I noticed in this movie was oh, this movie feels very anti, like, free-spirited youth and i'm skipping ahead a little bit but later in the movie said maybe alcoholic guy right he it turns, at, out, yeah. it turns out he's the brother of the professor right yeah sure yeah, yeah he just says like hey brother how you doing yeah okay gotcha yeah. gotcha I, I completely that went over my head yeah but no it's mentioned once and never brought up again yeah. but like he's so just, his idea is what he wants to do is he's given up on the world yeah oh this this was <laughs> This was incredible. This the fact that this happens in the movie is absolutely astounding. So, so he gives up on the world and therefore basically decides to start what I can only describe as Burning Man on top of Mount Fuji. He's he says to a group of people that oh it's pointless to try to like stop the pollution because right. there's too much pollution and even if we get a million people to march nothing nothing will stop the pollution so let's get a million people to have a big end of the world party right like literally like let's party until hedora just smothers us all right yeah and <laughs> so they do that and they they make their point by at one point in the movie the, it, the movie reaches its most somber and by this point i will give the movie credit for they're showing hedora's devastation like people get Hedorah flies over this city and people's bodies just melt down oh yeah so this is at this point yeah so it's the daytime scene they're like oh he's coming in the daytime what the heck is this right yeah and he's in his flying saucer form and he just flies past people and they all like die it's like a big (laughs) chemical weapon essentially exactly and they say they say eventually that like 1600 people are dead yes and yes and, and 80 like 81,000 are hurt or something like or 80, 8100 are hurt or something like that and yeah i think it's 8100 are hurt yeah and but it's just like yeah because there's another scene where they show like a man's body just degrading into literal like dust, can, can i dust. point out that our kid our lead kid character and this may be a sub subbing thing a subtitle thing but the kid comes across the body and is like Ouch! <laughs> and then runs away. <laughs> yeah, but but because yeah, the, the, yeah. guy, the guy's body gets covered in like what essentially is sulfuric acid, and it shows like he gets burned, and then like his body just degrades into like a skeleton, and then the skeleton just degrades into complete and utter dust. And this happens to like multiple people. At one point, Hidora crashes into a building that's being built, mm-hmm. and it, the first guy just falls down. And well, he commits suicide. Yeah. He, he tries to kill himself before Hedora can kill him. Like, it's he, pretty he, confronting. But, but he, he fall, he's falling down, but he still degrades into dust. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, the building just completely collapses on right. Hedora. <laughs> 
Um, so that scene happens, and then there's this somber scene of them traveling up to Mount Fuji. And at first, I was like, "Oh wait, is it in black and white, right, or does it just the, look that the, way?" So, so the movie cuts, and it's like very kind of black and whitish. Yeah, and we were like debating, like, is this movie in black and white? And I was like, "Oh no, I think it's just like it's just color graded darker, it's color graded darker to represent like Hidora's smog, like yeah, like going all over the place or something." Like I was like, "I can't be black and white. That would be really." strange then it cuts to it shows like people right and so what it shows is it's it's black and white so it, it's clearly black and white and the the guy who saw the fish mm-hmm. men people uh is like strumming his guitar very sadly and he's like man i invited a million people and only like thousands showed up man. Yeah. and he's like you know what we don't have to be sad yeah, and, and then, then he gets up, and it hard cuts to color again. He's like, let's party! And then, and then everybody has their instruments, like... And they're, like, and they're like, yeah, kind everybody. of like dancing. And right, stuff exactly. Like that. Yeah, and so, but what... The point of all this is that the movie is clearly showing, like... And it's it's really not framed in this way of, like, hopefulness. It's kind no. of framed in this, like, rebellion, this weird kind of, like... Look at like these guys, and they insinuate that they make it worse by like drawing Hedora out of the sea mm-hmm. by creating the big fire. Uh, but more so at, later on, during because Godzilla eventually comes to fight him, Hedora just kills all those people. All right, because they because because then they <laughs> they have this like, well, let's fight, let's let's do something, right? Like, yeah. Here, so they take all these torches and just throw these like fired torches at at Hedora. Yeah, which. From the moment one, are clearly doing nothing, but they're just like, let's let's kill the guy, and then like Hedora just murders them all. Right. Yeah. Um, and I and I when that happened, I was like, this seems very yeah, anti free right. spirited youth. Because <laughs> like we said, like, like the movie does give a, a sense of hopelessness. Right. And and it really does build this idea that like humanity is gonna perish. Right. And oh, it's a very anti humanity thing. Because I know the way we're describing it, it may sound like. Oh, that these guys were trying to like inspire like you know fun and you know free like you know freedom within these dark times, but it's really not presented no, that way that in way the movie. Well. Yeah. So it is it is interesting to discuss that, and it makes a lot of sense. But the fact that he just saw fish people, it still is an excuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh well, he's not, not like he not just that, but during that segment when all these people are partying and then they eventually get killed, there is this group of elderly. Ghost men, oh yeah, looking through the bushes at them, just and we'll get into in a minute, like about like kind of the reception of this movie, but you know, kind of peeking into that a little bit. A lot of what I've seen is that the people who are fans of this movie mm-hmm. really praise the, for lack of a better term, the artistic approach mm. to it, where like everything, like you know, decisions are made and they're up to, for you to determine, like that that kind of thing, and and. I thought like maybe I missed an explanation of what this was, but I read an analysis on this movie, and the analysis was the guy being like, uh, you know, Bono adds these clips of these cutaways to these elderly men looking at the free-spirited youths, and, you know, I'm glad he never explains what it is. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I didn't miss anything. No. It's just never no. explained. Um, yeah. But like I said, there is like a version of this movie that ends darkly, because that's just how the, 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 the atmosphere that he, uh, Bono, mm. uh, creates – I don't know if it's always successful, right? Yeah, especially because the the kind of more artistic elements and the educational elements, right, are bizarre upon viewing. But when you think of the movie as a whole, it's just like 
They are just these interludes. It's just so jarring in comparison to everything else. It is kind of interesting how much this movie is just crammed with all this stylistic stuff that has vision behind it. Oh, no, no, yeah. But for the production limitations that we have just... Yeah. set out like with the limited budget mm-hmm. limited time and limited crew it is kind of funny how much it commits to being yeah what it is mm-hmm. and i think maybe some of the time maybe some of the limitations you can see in how it's padded out which i yeah. guess will lead it's, to us the final thing we'll talk about is the the fight the fights yeah, yeah so we, we, we haven't, haven't talked about godzilla we at haven't all talked about godzilla <laughs> and uh so i do admit that they make hedora a very credible threat mm-hmm but it's at the expense of like interesting fights because right. well Go- this Godzilla is a big kind of just thing about the movie yeah. is how and maybe this is again a product of the the limited mm-hmm. production uh which is crazy because this is a very long time i would say this may be an, i think it's a, it feels like the longest godzilla movie we've watched thus far which is crazy because it's Less than an hour and a half, which it didn't. Because at one point, I will say, I will say this in the movie right before the final Hedora fight, Mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? Despite all this, this movie is kind of moving forward in a way. And it's like, all right, now we're at the final fight and we're going to wrap this up soon. And then it's just, it had to be like the last half hour of the movie is this extended fight, which doesn't work because it's. There's nothing interesting no. really about... Well, there is one thing. For the one thing. There is one we'll, thing. We got to we'll, talk we'll, about what's we'll, not we'll, just we'll, work we'll about this. But there... And all like of the stylistic flourishes that have been in the movie are really not present right. anymore. So, so we'll get to... So basically we left off where, you know, these these kids are throwing fire at... Uh, right. Yeah. Adora. Adora. And it's not working. Yeah. So the military... Uh, takes the professor's advice, and he's they, they're built, basically the professor's like, oh, we can dry him out using like electricity, yeah, and basically turn him into dust because that's what like his weakness is, which shows another Bono's politics a little bit because here's this guy who's like a marine biologist, and they treat him as if he has like authority mm-hmm. over the military, right. where he just calls it in, and then they're like, well, have it up right away, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> And so they're no built- boardroom scenes in this movie. No, which- no, we do get we do get newsmen, but no boardroom. Yeah, scenes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but so basically, like, so the military are building this thing, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna drag Hedora out using like," because one of the other theories that doesn't work at all is like, "Oh, if we he, we drop oxygen on him, right? You know, maybe you know he's probably from a planet that doesn't have oxygen, which doesn't make sense because the entire atmosphere is oxygen. <laughs> so if if he was weak to oxygen, he would have melted already. Concentrated oxygen bombs. But really, what they do is that they drop like what they drop what apparently is oxygen, but really just looks like big balls of cocaine. Yes. <laughs> True. So I guess they were trying to get him like it's high true. to death, like you know, like cocaine to death. I should say at one point, now this is all coming clear, that the military is shown as so incompetent that there's one helicopter that completes its mission, drops the cocaine oxygen ball, yeah, gets destroyed when it flies off. Second one comes because Adora has like a lightning beam coming out of his eye. Now. Right now, this is part of his fourth yeah. form, yeah. Uh second helicopter comes is going to drop the oxygen ball, doesn't do it. Because mm. it gets like, you know, he avoids Hedora's beam. beam. And he's just like, I'm, I, can't, yeah. I, can't, I can't drop it. It's like, it. I can't drop it. So you would just think like, oh, you know, failed the attack run. Yeah. You know, it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. 
Negative. It didn't go in. Yeah. Um, So later on in the movie, they have Hidora like dead in their sights. Yeah. And the whole thing is he has to walk into the trap. They're blinking like headlights at him to lure him into this trap, which takes for yeah. I was convinced the movie was trolling us at this point. Here's the thing about this sequence. (laughs) So basically, like, so Godzilla and Hedorah are fighting, and there's really like nothing to that fight that's worth mentioning. Right. Basically, like. I do feel like there is there is a certain energy to kind of how the Godzilla suit looks, yeah. And I kind of like look some of the close-ups. Well, on there, the there's moments where you know he's getting buried in the sludge, and that's kind of cool. The biggest thing I did like about it is like Godzilla got battle damage, and then that stayed throughout the fight. Yeah. Like that's but, kind of but interesting. Like, there's, there's you know Godzilla rolls down a hill into a pit, and and then Hidora tries to bury him alive. There's stuff like that. But basically, at one point during the fight, they they knock out a power line. You're right. And so their big thing is electricity. Is like so they have to fix like the power they have to get it back together mm-hmm. and so the military guys are like dude what's going on like I need ten minutes I need ten minutes to fix this thing and so the film slows down to an absolute crawl uh, yeah as, as Hedora just stands in the in he's like approaching the two like electric electric like beams that they have or the, like the like buildings that they're gonna use electricity and legitimately like I. You could edit this scene to go on an hour. Right. Because it's literally just repeating shots of like Hedora looking around confused, wide shot of him between the two things, the military looking around confused. And like legitimately, like the way that the movie like shoots it and edits it, it goes on. For- if I'm not mistaken, at one point a character asks what's going on. <laughs> if, if I, I yeah. may be mistaken, but I do think that happens. It's, but it's like legitimately this felt like an hour. It, it it's, it's beyond it was poorly paced. Yeah. It's interrupted and you think there's gonna be more and then there really isn't. But the guy in the helicopter with the last oxygen cocaine bomb finally flies in. Mind you, <laughs> he avoided that thing like Five ten minutes ago, screened right. like and, a and, long and, time and ago. Also, I will say that like to the point with, that you forgot about also it. Also, within the movie's context, like when they first dropped it, it was like pitch black. Yeah, and now <laughs> it's like there's like sunlight starting to come out. Right, like, it's 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 been long enough where the sun's starting to rise. Right, and this guy still hasn't come back and and dropped his and cocaine he comes bomb. back. And drops it to which one of like the generals like that idiot. What is he doing? Which I'm like that cannot be what a proper military person would do mm-hmm. is just flee for like a couple hours and then come back. It's like, I, 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 I can do this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the other thing about this, like it, that whole, like you think like, Oh, now like Hedorah is going to notice this thing. Right. Or is he going to check does it? it? He doesn't. <laughs> he just like looks around like, well, that was weird and continues <laughs> to make his way towards like the thing. It, it did ultimately lead to a thing I do like in Godzilla movies where, you know, they kind of do this thing where they build the machine, but they kind of give Godzilla the the win where Godzilla there's no power to these right. machines and Godzilla uses his atomic breath to and, power up the machine. And, and I, like, I thought that was kind of cool. You know what I was, yeah, say like Godzilla was getting his butt kicked throughout the entire movie and none of the fights were really that interesting. Mm. But that was a nice moment. Like right. Godzilla coming in to save the day, so he breathes his atomic breath on the uh, on the smog thing. Right. And um uh on the electric thing, and basically does the, the machine works? Yeah, and it dries out. Um, yeah, Godzilla it, rips out his eyeballs. Right. So I was I was kind of wondering what those were at one point. But that is like, often debated what those are. Yeah. But the only reason I say it's eyeballs because they do make it clear in the movie that 
Hedora is a mass of pollution, and the eyeballs are like his nervous system. Right. They do so say he, that in the movie. So, so basically, what happens? So that we're getting to great. <laughs> the, we're getting to the greatest moment in Godzilla history. Right. I'm convinced at this point. So. Godzilla rips out the eyeballs uh-huh. and like basically crushes them into dust. Right. But then he like he's like realizing like all oh, of this is going on way too long. Yeah. By the oh way. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> it's it's everything's like way too extended. But then he kind of realizes I guess that like oh well as long as Hedorah is like around you know I I gotta basically destroy everything. But before he can because he starts the eyeballs and he's gonna like rip into more. But like basically like Hedorah kind of rips out of like I guess. Like his body, there's like an inner body or something like that, mm-hmm. and he like flies off. Right, he he's like he does like a fake out. It's like yeah. which again, the movie at this point is so poorly paced that it doesn't feel like a Godzilla because you get what they're going for. Godzilla kills the monster, but oh, the monster is actually still alive, right. and one final like yeah. kind of like attack like right. mo- action beat has mm-hmm. to happen. So, but it's but, so drawn out and so poorly. Yeah, paced. this whole the whole ending <laughs> sequence is just it's so long. <laughs> But, but okay, okay. so because <laughs> this Hedor- is one of the biggest things I did want to show you. Hedora flies off in his like in his uh in his uh flying saucer form, and he and throughout the entire movie, Godzilla has a hard time keeping up with this form. Mm-hmm. So you're thinking like, uh oh, well, Hedora can go off and and live another day, I guess. So Godzilla suddenly starts shooting his atomic breath <laughs> into the ground right. and begins. To levitate <laughs> and flies off. <laughs> Atomic breath still going. Yes. After Hedorah. Yeah. He flies. This is the greatest Godzilla scene Wait, of all time. Can I can I play the score that accompanies? Yes, because I want to say this too. This score is a great music cue. So while this is this is legitimately what's happening as Godzilla is flying across the sky. That might be my favorite music cue in film history. Like I'm not kidding. It's so amazing. Oh, just like when it gets into the March part, yes. it's so spectacular. Now, this was put in the movie because Bono felt that the movie needed a moment of levity because it was already too dark. <laughs> so this this is the slide whistle. <laughs> yes, it is. Of Godzilla. Oh my god, one hundred percent. Nick, what is this movie secretly a genius work? No, um, no I can't even let me finish. No, the thing, it's no. What, what are, the, what's your overall thoughts of the here's movie? Here's the thing I'll yeah. say. Okay. <laughs> Simult- it's weird. Sim- talking about this movie simultaneously, I like it more and I like it less. Right. Like, there are... The, I think I, I... I would honestly say that this is a movie worth seeing for some of the more bizarre elements. Mm-hmm. It's like you would go into it knowing it's not good, and you're going to go into it know that the third act is just a slog. Yeah. If that wasn't the case, this would be 
like you could sit through it. Yes, like that's, you could that's watch the thing it. About it. It's yeah. like I, to, to an extent, it's still kind of a fun, watchable thing. Especially yeah. you get together with some friends. It's like, and like you just kind of not pay attention, but but like the the parts where you like want to pay attention to, like they stand out. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's just. Yeah, pacing wise, yeah, and just the, and just the last like thirty minutes, like the, thirty twenty minutes is like a killer. Special. And like of this even movie. like the earlier fights aren't that interesting. Right, like they're not that other than other than the brutality of the daytime fight. Mm-hmm. The brutality of that fight does make it a little bit like unique, mm-hmm. uh, especially like again, you right, you haven't seen something like that since the first one. So I would say it's kind of just kind of on the lower end of the middle yeah. of like kind of what we've seen so far. But it really is like kind of worth talking about because of its unique style, which mostly doesn't work, but is still like it's interesting. I would say especially if you're like a film person, mm-hmm. like if you're like a really like like watching just cinema, right? Like I'd recommend just seeing this as something like uniquely See, different. So this is interesting because this is the ultimate kind of case study, I would say, for is there value. Not is their value, but where do you stand on the interesting failure mm-hmm. argument? Because I've been one of those people. I, I'm not necessarily a big proponent of the interesting failure. Mm-hmm. Is, is, is you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, and by that I mean because a lot of people would say like, well, a director comes in if as long as they have a vision, and even if it's like messy and it doesn't work, it's still more valuable than another thing. Now, I have two minds of that because. One, this does make this an interesting movie to talk about in the Godzilla canon, and it does admittedly stand out, and its more bizarre elements makes me want to kind of, like, give it that edge. Here's the thing. If you're actually interested in, like, getting into kaiju movies, there's a lot more interesting ones to get into, Mm -hmm. like, you know, Ghidorah or Bira, Mm -hmm. you know, even Destroy All Monsters. But this one is just, like, again, like, there's just some really interesting and bizarre elements that yeah. again, I don't think you would even appreciate unless you're like into film study. If I'm yeah. gonna be honest, that, that's what I'm. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's yeah. like if, for for a film audience, I think this would be interesting just just to kind of just take on its mm-hmm. own. But I wouldn't recommend it in anybody's first Godzilla movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nick, uh, that actually will uh, segue properly into our aftermath. Aftermath of the movie. Um. So this movie was straight up met with mixed reactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, where some people, um, very much a lot of people, especially retrospectively, very much respond to the more art- artistic right. vision, quote unquote, visionary aspects right. of the movie, the, the auteur elements. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Perfectly put. Um, whereas other people just feel like it's so, it's just too messy and it's too vague mm-hmm. in certain areas that it, it just never comes together into really anything coherent. And that mm-hmm. kind of seems to be the schism of where yeah. the... Um, no, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, it definitely it's definitely known as one of the most divisive Godzilla movies uh, when it comes to that argument right. of, you know, is it kind of like, uh, does it have artistic value or is it just kind of nonsense? Mm. Seems to be what, what the case is. Um, but... There is somebody, Nick, who is not a fan of the movie. And that was producer Tomoyuka Tanaka. That's not good. <laughs> so if you remember earlier in the episode, right. Tanaka fell ill during the movie it and was hospitalized. Hospitalized and yeah. kind of... Was aw- not present for the rest of the movie. Away from the yeah. whole production, essentially. So when he saw the final product, 
he was very dissatisfied f- with it to the point that uh, Bono was not allowed to work on Godzilla ever again. So God, so Bono's Bono's, time, Bono is banned. Yeah. Bono's banned from Godzilla. So his time with, uh, the franchise is he has no future, which is a shame. Maybe, maybe not a shame. Who knows? But Bono actually did have plans to move forward with it. Now this didn't destroy Bono's career. He went on to kind of make like interesting movies, uh, that very much like, um, magnify all the things that he was doing in this yeah. movie um, because that that's actually really interesting with a lot of Japanese filmmakers I find out through things I find out in anime and movies like this is Japanese filmmakers do like to really uh, continue on like ideas and repeat ideas so they mm. can explore them in different ways um, way more than you sometimes see in American stuff well, I guess I guess that would be like the Japanese, the monster version of a Scorsese. Yeah. <laughs> where, no, you just, yeah. where you just kind of want to make like uh, those kind of like crime movies. Um, but uh, Bono was very pleased with his work mm. on Hitora that he actually started uh, working on a script for a sequel mm. to the movie in yeah. which uh, he wanted to do another uh, Godzilla movie that also focused on. Uh, probably pollution to mm. a certain point. Uh, and he went through many drafts in which, all right, he was going to have uh, an original uh, monster called Deathla. Um, he, he, but then he scrapped that idea uh, to which he wanted to just do Hedora again, in which Hedora strikes back ultimately. Mm. Um, and this, and he had this in mind for many years to the point that as we were approaching the 2000s, um, he got the rights to do a Godzilla IMAX short. And, <clears throat> excuse me, he was going to do a Godzilla IMAX short, and that's what he was going to put together to finally do, do his dream project, So essentially. So he's, to an extent, he is kind of the Kevin McClory yes. of, <laughs> of the Godzilla, another Gavon comparison, because he has like basically one idea that he kind of wants to play with and just kind of tries to continually make that movie. Mm-hmm. But as whereas McClory's successful... Um, I'm sh- I'm guessing uh, Bono is not successful in he in, was, in making H- another Hedora. He was not successful, and um, it really just came down to funding. Because mm. uh, remember, we were kind of getting into that like you know late '90s, early 2000s. Like you know, Godzilla. There's a lot of different things going on. Godzilla's kind of taking a break. It's not as massive as as right. it used got, to be. It's like a little he, bit of a slump. Another another American. Right. Movie. Exactly. Even though this would have been because that would have been interesting to just do a Godzilla IMAX short, right. just because like that was like the prime era of just like weird IMAX stuff Mm -hmm. because nowadays like when you think about IMAX it's just like oh it's just a movie that you see right but IMAX but like remember like this is going to be IMAX 3D it was like a 40 minute IMAX 3D short remember back then when you had like you had like all this weird stuff come out in IMAX like like the that one documentary that was narrated by Brad Pitt about the deep and like there was like a dinosaur short that came out in IMAX 3D and Mm -hmm. it was like a crazy time so it would make sense yeah and um so he wasn't able to get that together, but um, it was ironic, despite his uh, disputes with Tanaka in the early days, that he did gain some status at Toho to the point that he was actually able to be uh, an executive producer on Legendary's produced really? 2014 oh. Godzilla film. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, I don't. He's he's no longer with us right now, but uh, when he was alive, he had still stated. That <laughs> I, said, I like he said he's no longer with us right now. Someday he will make his return. <laughs> <laughs> and that Hedora movie will happen. Um, but so, uh, so maybe in tribute, maybe I know. But before, know. but before Godzilla 2014 came out, he had stated that 
his dream project was still to <laughs> still do still to do Hedora. Hedora he really part is two. Kevin McClory. <laughs> to to his death to his death he has one project in mind. Mm-hmm. But uh, nothing can top Godzilla <laughs> flying. I think that is that is the peak. Oh, so that is it for Godzilla versus Hedora. Yeah, so uh where are we going to come next time? Well, no, the- first Oh, who's Harrison Ford? Oh, here's Harrison Ford. Who's Harrison Ford in this movie? Uh, I say one of the newscasters during, yeah, during the big a, news he's montage. He's either a newscaster or one of the grumpy old men staring, <laughs> <laughs> staring in from the bushes, except he's like, these kids today <laughs> don't know what they're talking about. Um, next time, Nick, uh, we had debated a little bit, uh, or it's debatable if Hedora is actually a villain from space. Mm-hmm. Uh, next time, it is no debate, as we are visited from the stars once again by a new Godzilla foe in Godzilla versus Gigan. Ooh, Gigan. Yeah. Okay. But next time's not a Godzilla uh, movie. It is a, a Bond discussion. Yep. So what will we actually be doing next time? So next time we are going to be talking about a little movie called You Only... Not You Only Live Twice. I always get these two confused because <laughs> they're the four-word Bond titles. Right. Uh, for Your Eyes Only. Gotcha. And uh, whereas the Bond movies have One been... of three Roger Moore movies we still need to go. Yes, that is true. <laughs> oh, no. And... Uh, Whereas the Bond movies have gotten bigger and bigger, we just went in the space as big as we can go, maybe it's time to go a little bit smaller, a little bit more personal. So (laughs) next time we talk about uh, For Your Eyes Only. Can't wait. And like I said, even if it's smaller, we're talking about one of the Bond short stories. So it'll be interesting to kind of delve into that element of the Bond franchise. All right, I'm done. We're done. We are done. So we got plugs for you. BonzillaPod at gmail.com. That is our email address. Twitter.com slash Bonzilla007. Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007. Please like and subscribe on that iTunes and that SoundCloud. We do appreciate um, you people listening. And we have a good time. Uh, Nick, there are no words to actually... I don't think there's anything we can actually say here. So I think all we can do is play ourselves. <laughs>